your interpretation of a Disney film play, creates a higher value than Fight Club, is what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, dude. Yeah, yeah, I think, I, I guess in if... Well, we have to define the values. The value that we're talking about here, the impact on society. I think that Beauty of the Beast had more impact on society than Fight Club has. Yeah. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Literate Apecast is a production of LiterateApe.com, and the apes would like to advise you that inappropriate language and themes may follow. If you are easily triggered, best to go listen to a public radio podcast. You know, it's Halloween. It's, you know, it's coming up on Halloween. It's that month, and everybody's watching. It's like a friend of mine, Don Smith, who lives in L.A. He's an actor. Um, he puts up. Basically, he and his wife do like a, a marathon all month long and watch a scary movie every single night of October. Every single night. That apparently, and then he posts what they're watching on Instagram. So it's all these movie posters of these disturbing, you know, like some of them are funny, are like Freddy Krueger kind of stuff. And some yeah. of them are like, you know, like these fucked up like audition or the human centipede is like, what the fuck? And so the question Human centipede that, is not that scary. Human centipede is more it's just insanely gross and stupid. Weird yeah. And bad. Yeah. But the thing the, the question that it, I was thinking about this is because if you go to any art gallery, some of the art is obviously painted to take us away, to give us an escape, to to make us feel good, you know? And then some of it is like way fucked up and it's really disturbing and it brings up terrible, you know, it's for for lack of a better way of putting it, it's it's designed to trigger us, like the majority of the of the the art from the Renaissance period when it was a lot of Christianity. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so scary you know, shit. I, yeah. yeah, and I, well, I also was it was I saw some somewhere a meme that was very funny. It's like if you think people taking pictures of their food is just <laughs> like a modern Instagram thing, and then they showed like a hundred photos Still of life. famous yeah. paintings of fucking fruit you know yeah. and it's like okay all right that you know that's that's a that's a fair point taken and which is why pic- just overall that's why it's such an idiotic thing when older generations bitch about the younger generations well in my oh, yeah. day but shut up just, just shut up yeah. shut up well you and i do that the same but we do it about different things and then we think somehow ours is better than well but the that's others, i was gonna say not. is that ours is better because no it's not we have insight it's the same you know insight schmite right <laughs> we did you know we're just no, bad we're the, ones. yeah we're, we're idiots we're assholes yeah you yeah. know it's like that's a, but that's the question is is so is what is the i mean i guess this is what is the purpose of art but is there more value, less value, the same value of I? You know, it's like okay. So I, I, uh, I love, I love. Uh, now I can't. Uh, Lanthimos, uh, the guy who did uh, the killing of uh, a sacred deer and the lobster mm. and dog tooth, and I love it. And they're very disturbing, right? Yeah. And the yeah. and and really the whole point of these on some level is to trigger darker emotions or at least a cathartic feeling of darker emotions right right but i also quite frankly love the greatest showman okay i mean i love it and 
and it's and it it is it, it, it's taking a historical figure and stripping all <laughs> of the dark. I mean, like yeah. there's nothing. He's just. I mean, it's just like the most. It is the most antiseptic take on P.T. Barnum that you can have. You know, because yeah. So the question is, art. You know, is is it is it better when it triggers us when it when it's designed to kind of shake us up a little bit or is it better when it's just there to make us sort of like you know it, it goes to the heart of like our con- concept of comedy and you know we talk about you know pc or anti-pc really when you boil it down you get rid of sort of the buzzwords mm-hmm. it is is stand-up comedy as an art form there to shake us up or is it there to just make us giggle at silly stuff and that's the question well Okay, so it's a, it's kind of a two-part question. The first one, we'll just get this out of the way, is is stand-up comedy meant to shake us up or make us giggle? At its core, stand-up comedy, because it's comedy, should make us laugh. If it makes us laugh by being Rita Rudner, you know, the very or or forget Rita Rudner because she's kind of Seinfeld, old school now. It's like simple. Seinfeld or Jim Gaffigan? Uh, like, is it Jim okay, Gaffigan Jim safe? A great because yeah, he's very funny example. and he's got yeah. great insight. Or is it? Should it be a uh, Bill Bill Hicks or uh, yeah. uh, who do we just Bill Burr that we just you know the, the yeah. new one? It does. It doesn't matter. So I think for the art, like any other kind of art, I think as long as stand up comedy is making us laugh, like that's why it's stand up comedy is getting weird now. Like with the Aziz and Sorry special, and and Nanette, where like there are some funny moments, but is it stand up or is it storytelling? You know, that's yeah. the question. Yeah, well, you know, and that, that, that bridges the line, but that's, I, I mean, that's one of the things I think is, I mean, going back to Hannah Gatsby, what I think is hysterical is that she, the whole gist of that special was, I'm quitting comedy. And then it was so incredibly successful that, of course, she's not quitting comedy. No, she's, she's, Jay-Z, she's Jay-Z as a, re- as a, as a retiree. Like, yeah, nobody, yeah. stop, just stop with the farewell tours, just shut up. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm no, getting no, off Facebook. Just get no, off Facebook. Stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but because I, I was thinking about it, I love, I love. I mean, you know, that was the thing is in the early days of WP when we were doing WP theater, we did Dada stuff, and the whole point of the Dada stuff is was to like really shake people up. Now, the interesting thing was like Joe. I was, I was, I always like to put it as Joe's Joe James. Model, yeah, Joe James. Yeah. His model for Dada was more Hugo Ball. And Hugo Ball was more silly and more, you know, uh, wordplay and like one of my favorite bits. And I, he wrote this, and it's one of my, it really is one of my favorite bits that they ever did in the Dada. Was they're in whiteface, so that's a little alienating, and they're speaking in bad German accents, which is a little alienating, right? This, but then one of them, there's four of them, and one of them would come out and ring a bell, like a desk bell, yeah, and say number seven. <laughs> Never, and, and then the other Dada's would start looking for number seven and then ring it again. Number seven? <laughs> they would do this. And I mean, I think the longest I ever saw them do this bit was like 12 minutes. But they would ring the fucking bell and the one <laughs> Dada would say number seven and the others would start number seven, number seven, looking for number seven until an audience member, just out of exasperation or whatever, would or whatever, Donham, they'd go, Raise their hand. Uh-huh. And then they'd all say, oh, number seven. And then they'd clap. And they'd clap for a really long, like way longer <laughs> than than is comfortable. And then the tag to the piece was, bing, number eight, right. blackout. And it was silly. Yep. And it was funny. 
And it always got a reaction, and mm-hmm. it was just this weird thing. That was one sort of the data. The kind of data that I liked was we did a, a thing called Neuveltoffen, which was New Age Monkeys. We actually took that to New York, to PS122. I'm bragging. Name drop. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that was where Jen, as Dada Dabo, would... You, we had several things going on at once. Um, one is one of the Dadas had like uh, uh, like uh, flashcards, but they were incredibly disturbing elements, right? Like just really horrifying looking things. And another Dada would be over in the corner with a baby doll masturbating, kind of simulating Jesus. masturbating. And another Dada would be walking back and forth with a big fluffy hammer behind people. Never hit anybody, but it was just like this tension builder. And then she would go to one audience member and say, if I asked to punch you in the face, what would you say? <laughs> and then they'd go into all this craziness, all this craziness, craziness, and then get right. If I asked to punch you in the face, what would you say? And they just kept doing this mm-hmm. until... The person would say, yes, you can punch me in the face. And that was the end of the piece. They never punched him in the face. I liked that because it was really uncomfortable. It was really dark. You had a lot of really horrifying things to look at. Mm -hmm. It really, you know. And so the question is, which is, you know, I I mean, it's just looking at society, which is the better time for maybe really disturbing stuff? Because when you look at trends, there are trends, sometimes you have a whole rash of like these really fucked up movies, you know? Yeah. Or sometimes it's just a perfect time for Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. And then there are other periods in time where Nine Inch Nails would not be welcome in sort of like the cultural zeitgeist. So um, talk to me. Well, I think that it's that there's room in the zeitgeist for all of it at the same time. It comes down to, to a different opinion. And this is not like what one person finds as art, the other thinks is trash, or what one person thinks is funny, the other person finds offensive. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like your own record collection or your own movie collection. Um, or forget your own. Like, let's just look at mine. Like, there are times when I will, in a day, listening to music where I will go from, like, Katy Perry, you know, teenage dream into um, some, like, you know, punk political propaganda within, you know, like, a four-hour work span. Just because I'm like, ah, this, it's, it's just my mood. Like, I'm, I'm in the mood for pop, dancey, stupid, meaningless bullshit. Yeah. And then sometimes I just want music that's a little harder and faster and might be saying something with more political uh, so way is, to it. Is is it is it is it an error then? And this is kind of how I look at it, and this is where my snobbery, my own personal snobbery comes in. Is it an error to say that like safe art is more juvenile and more edgy art is more adult? I yeah, I think that that's silly. Because good safe art, like if we look at going to Jim Gaffigan or uh, Stevie Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Steve. Nice. Well played. Um, yeah, uh, his st- Stevie Wonder was a great stand-up. That guy, I mean, he could do a blind joke like nobody I've ever seen. He had he Stevie Wonder it. really had an eye for comedy. That's, Doink. Um no, Steve Miller. No, uh what's his name? He was Jesus Christ. Steve he's a wild Miller? and crazy guy. Steve Martin, you dipshit. Yeah, Martin Short. 
No, he's Martin their best Short friends. And Steve Martin, Martin. Short are yes. best friends. There we they go. are best friends. Bing. Yeah. See what I did there? Okay. Steve Martin is and has always been uh zany, goofy, uh wry. Like the jerk is a really, really screwball it's movie. It's just goofy as shit, yeah. Is there anything subversive about it? Is there anything dark about it? I mean, Maybe somewhere like it's a look. There's a guy trying to shoot him. Yeah, but I mean, is it dark? I don't know. No, I don't actually think it's terribly dark. What Steve Martin does is not easy to do. You can't just be a goofball and it'd be funny. Like there has to be some. It does take work, so it's not juvenile. You need it's experience, right? So you're saying that at some point, when we're talking about comedy, at some point maybe you're just in the mood for Gallagher. Or carrot top. Totally. Yeah. Which I'm which quite frankly, I'm never in the mood for Gallagher or Carrot Top. I'll tell you something I about mean, Carrot Top might, real quick. You might as well fucking tape my fucking eyes open and make me watch Barney for five hours. I can't take that oh, shit. Oh god. Well Barney, that's a different that's a no, different monster. See, I actually don't think it is. It's like, you know, it's like, oh hey, let's watch <laughs> Let's watch Zootopia. It's like, all right, you know, the thing is, if it doesn't have any sort of triggering mechanism, if it doesn't call up adult emotions, Zootopia. Hang on a second. Actually, was good. That, I, that was a bad is example. Funny. That is a that good, is a very funny thing. Great, great. But movie. it's not yeah. Sausage Party. Or I haven't South seen Park. Sausage Party. So that was right. Like, South Park is a good example. I mean, you know, it's actually South Park is a great example of blending here's the two. Just, yeah, blending the two, but I yeah. don't think South Park is ever just goofy funny for the sake of funny. It's always like punching something. Yes. Yeah. You know, and and maybe that, that maybe that's just my taste in. in it might have been in the beginning. It was. I don't know if it was punching things as much in the very beginning and like maybe the sure first it season. Was. The very first episode was basically uh, Jesus, Jesus versus, versus Santa, Santa yeah, Claus. Yeah, I guess they you're were right. punching from day one, man. Well, I guess that what a, as, as South Park went on, it it was less about you know punching like general things, and it would be like news of that week was like in a South Park episode. Yeah, yeah. Like they were doing, like it was getting really, really close. Yeah. To you know to I guess to what they were punching, they they just moved to closer hand to hand combat. Um, but I think that there's there's a time and a place for all of it. Um, I think Eddie Izzard. Oh, Izzard, that is such Eddie a, Izzard. a mealy answer, but go ahead. Well, no, it's true. I mean, there's some sometimes I'm trying to think like of a good example of something that I've done where I've blended the two or really gone one or the other. Um, I don't know. I guess in college I made this. I made two films. In college, these yeah. th- that I'm going to talk about that that they were um, satirical. They were going after like they were really po- the, the the content was very political. It was taking the piss out of the 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 board of regents and the administration and just like whatever college bullshit, right? But both were really goofy. Like I had like just absurd settings, and like one of them was called Regents. And I used G.I. Joes as stop action figures. And it was just like this weird, and I gave them weird, stupid voices. And it was just like this weird thing, but they were talking about this, these political moments and these political things um, in this very serious, dark way that was meant to, hopefully people would see me like, oh yeah, that is, we can't let them get to us. You know, or some kind of yeah, like... But, 
But the thing is, at the even though you blended silliness with darkness, it's sort of like saying, I mean, that's like saying, you know what? I'm going to blend milk toast and then throw in some red onion. I'm sorry. Once you put red onion in it, that's all you fucking taste. Wait a minute. It's, it's sort of like I had a conversation yesterday with a guy from work, and he was talking about how his friend uh, was, and he referred to him as a pocket racist. The fuck is a pocket racist? And that's what yeah, that's what I said, and he was like, "Well, you know, he's you know he he does business with black people, but he doesn't really like black people." And I said, "Well, that, that just kind of made, it kind of makes him a racist." Yeah. He goes, "Well, no." <laughs> I said, "You know," he said, "He said no, it's not it's not like he's not racist. He's you know he just he just doesn't like black people for the most part, and you know, and he keeps talking about this. And at one point, I went, I said, "I'm." Dude, I'm sorry. I said, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to burst your bubble on this one, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> that there's no such thing as a pocket racist. You are either racist or you're not. I mean, it, you know, it's like you're either you're either prejudiced against black people, and if yeah. you are, then you're a bigot. That's. I mean, it's just. And it. that doesn't mean you can't take money from them. Yeah, and in so, fact, maybe that makes you a a. A good racist, in an, that, opportunistic an opportunistic racist. racist. That's what I meant. Yeah. Not good racist. There's so, no such thing so as a good racist. Go along with it. Racist. Like a drop, one drop of racism kind of taints the water. And the way I put it was, I said, "Here's the thing." I said, "If I take a beautiful turkey sandwich, I mean, like just fucking, <laughs> just like an amazing turkey, great bread and fresh turkey and some mayo, just delicious, right?" Yeah. And then just over on the side, I take a nugget of shit. And I just kind of <laughs> spread it around just on the edge. It doesn't matter what part of the sandwich you eat. You're eating a shit sandwich. The shit taints the whole sandwich. That's it. You can't like nibble around the edges of the shit and right. say that, well, I can't just, it's just a pocket shit. There's just a little bit of shit there. So it's not, a, it's a shit sandwich. But that comes down to. I think to that's the same. I think that's exactly what I'm saying about it's racism, but I also think it's the same thing, is either your art has some element that is disturbing and that that's the flavor of it, <clears throat> or it doesn't. And that's just it. Well, maybe not, You can't blend them well. What if you... You're assuming that everybody doesn't like a shit sandwich. Everybody. I'm pretty much assuming everybody doesn't and you might like be a shit right. sandwich. And let's I mean, just I'm pretty say, sure. If I well, this thing, maybe they would like the sandwich if they didn't know there was shit in it. But as soon as you tell someone there's human fecal matter, like like not just like oh maybe I have staph infection. It's like there's a turd in your turkey sandwich. I pretty much guarantee you that not even the hungriest motherfucker in the world's probably going to eat that sandwich. But even then, who who cares? Who cares what other people like? What does it matter? Just take, watch the shit you want to watch. Uh, laugh at the stuff you want to laugh at. Eat the shit sandwich if you want to eat a shit sandwich. Or don't. Or put more shit on your shit sandwich or less shit on your shit sandwich. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the fact that if you want a sandwich, there's your sandwich. If you want art, go get your art. What kind of art are you in the mood for? Sometimes I want to go to the the uh, art, what is it the museum of, of the Chicago Museum of Art? What the hell do they call it? Like the, the Art Institute of art Chicago. Institute. Thank you. I've had a long week. My brain no is shit, not firing. Man. You can't even remember the Art Institute. So yeah, like sometimes I want to go to the Fart Institute of Chicago. 
And then sometimes I want to go to the Museum of Contemporary Farts. Like, and they're very different things. Okay. They're very different things, but I can still, so it just depends on what I want, what I'm in the mood for. Some people don't like the Museum of Contemporary Farts. Some people only like the classic stuff at the Fart Institute of Chicago. See, this joke, it's not, it's not landing. You're trying. See, you see, and you see what I'm trying to do here. I know exactly. I'm trying what to you're put doing, silliness into a serious but, topic. But but it's 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 funny as you saying, you know, you know, guess what? Chicken butt. It's just like, okay, <laughs> you're like a you're like a fucking five year old. I'm but sorry. I, I the humor you. of a five year old is only funny. It's this is the thing. I, Dana Dana does this really well. It's like there's, there's the, the rule of comedy is threes. Yeah. And I actually think that's sort of sym- symmetrical for all art. Yeah. Is that, that, you know, like, like three is just a powerful way of doing things. But if you do it more than three times, it loses its power unless you do what I call the Beavis and Butthead rule, which is you just keep fucking doing it until just the inanity just hits you and you can't stop like laughing. That's what, that's what Family Guy does. Yeah, and Dana's really good at, like, yeah. I'm just going to do this one thing so many times until I'm fucking rolling. Uh-huh. I you know I can't stop laughing because yeah. and then and then once she's established that she's going to do this one thing so many goddamn times that I can't stop laughing, she won't do it for a month and we sit in the car and then she'll do it and it just fucking triggers me again. It makes yeah. me laugh every time. So it's you know there is definitely that. So you weren't laughing at the at the fart thing right there, but I bet you that no. there's somebody listening to this right now who's like, <laughs> okay, either they're just like I see what Himmel's trying to do here. Or well, like, oh, that's go, oh, I see or what not. Campbell's trying to do here. They're not laughing. But if they're really g- legitimately laughing, then I would say, wow, we're really nailing the eight-year-old set. But I bet you there's not a single eight-year-old that listens to this show to start. Second of all, well, if there are... Well, that's why I'm saying no one's laughing at your fart joke. But there might be somebody out there who's like, ah, fart joke. I, I can get on a fart joke. And I, you know, but that's the kind of fart that, they, that they're into. Fart farts. Farts, fart, fart, farty fart. Right. <laughs> well, you're certainly cracking I'm yourself cracking up. Myself. I'm the funniest you're guy. You're cracking yourself up with your fart. Yeah, I mean, uh, humor. but seriously, like, what does it matter, right? You don't what think is, it matters. It? No, I don't think it matters. You I don't, don't think, think it matters. matters. I don't. I have my opinion of things. I was reading a a, a, a film review not that long ago. I think it was about Joker. Right. And I think it was in this in this review where the the writer said that there's some the rule of of being a critic is not to punish the filmmaker for not making the film that you wanted them to make. Yep. Or to, or or not to critique the filmmaker rather for, for not making the film you wanted them to make. Right? So like if I'm going to sit down if I'm going to go to the art institute and I'm going to look at that fart and be like, "Well, I was expecting this. Therefore, my review of the Fart Institute of Chicago is that it's not very good." Nah, 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 nah. Rather than looking at it and going, well, let's look at the Fart Institute for the See, fart now that you're it has doing, you know, you're doing there. the Beavis and you're doing the Beavis and Butthead thing. Is it's starting it's starting to make me laugh? Not because you keep saying fart, but because you won't let it go. And oh, so, I'm letting plenty of farts go. Yeah, you're. Oh, see, you're just not. It's just, <laughs> you're a fucking moron. <laughs> you know, but like that's that's not fair to do, right? Like the Eagles. Okay, let's look at the Eagles as art. The band, not the football well, they, team. Well, the, the 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 band is not art. They are artists. Their music. The music is the art. Do you think that that is good? 
music? Sometimes. Some of it's okay. Some of it's crap. I would say, and I wrote about this in my post-it notes last week or on Friday, that yes, you did. the Eagles is the most overrated band I think that has probably ever existed. I think that like 30% of their songs but David, are good. But David, but David, what does it matter what you think? Because if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. You're right. I don't like it. So I choose not to listen to most Eagles shit. But you do make a point to write on the internet how much you dislike the Eagles. And we have every right to do that. You could take it, you could talk, you could write all day, and p- please don't put it on Littered Ape, about how you don't like shit sandwiches. I'm told, no, that's in fact, that, that the next eight articles I write are all going to be about, it, 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 you know, like one article be a turkey sandwich with shit in it that I don't like. The next one will be are they like be actual Mon- reviews? It'll be like a Monte Cristo with like cat shit in it. Ah. I, yeah, that's what it's going to be. It's going to entire But you have series. to actually review, eat these shit sandwiches, make these shit sandwiches. I don't sandwiches. have to eat them. I don't How are you going to gonna review these shit sandwiches if you don't? Well, I mean, plenty of people, plenty of people review Joker without having to see it. Yeah, but that's not good. And also, critique is not art. What? I don't think that critique is art. Well, I I think probably you're right about that. I mean, it takes talent. A good a good critic has a talent. You know, Roger All Ebert right, so, is Roger Ebert. So now I'm going to go back. Do you think there is a value societally? For having art that intentionally disturbs you. Do I think that there's a value to having art that intentionally disturbs me? I mean, we're, it's, it's October. People are watching these fucking... Yes. I mean, they're watching okay. movies. They're yeah. watching movies about people d- dismembering each other and raping each other and killing each other and all kinds of fucking weird stuff and all kinds of weird camera... T- and music that's supposed to just make you feel on, yeah. on edge... All this going on, is there some sort of a value to it? And and in that regard, and this is where it gets into the, oh, it's it's all subjective. Remember, it is. If you're going to assign a value to it, then it does matter. It does matter if you're creating art that actually triggers or informs or moves you or disturbs you, or if it's just there to sort of like, okay, again, because there's one of the topics in the upcoming uh, bug house in October is is all art political. Yeah. And my argument is, I mean, I believe that all art is political, whether it's intended on being political or not. For example, you go to you go you go you you know go to see Steve Miller. Any any no, it, not Steve Miller. Any Disney thing. Disney, you know, well Disney is designed very much like uh, I don't know anything that's mass appeal to be as smooth and without edge as possible if they can because they want to appeal to children they want to appeal to families that's the kind of thing yeah so the question is is like is but it's very political because that is all about capitalism if you go through disney you look at and that's where you know they're trying to make it more political where are my where are my black princesses where are my asian princesses you know this kind of you know, all right so i get it but there is a politic to that art. Yeah. And so go from Disney to like, let, let's let's say compare, as an example, compare um, Beauty and the Beast with Fight Club. Which one 
of those two. I mean, we certainly can say that they're definitely different audiences. I mean, I actually like both of those films. I, I mean, I love Beauty yeah. and the Beast. Not the, not the live action, but the animated. That was really what? bad. Yeah. Yeah, the live action was not good. But, you know, but I also love Fight Club. So the question becomes, which of those two films has a higher value societally? Let's take a quick break. I want to think about that. I'm going to blow some ass, and we'll be right back. Literate Ape presents Bug House, a 75-minute show designed to interrogate concepts, proselytize truth, and dissect popular thought through a lens of skeptical artistry. Three bouts, six warriors, three decisions. Bug House aims to definitively answer the most and least important questions of the day. You can find the Bug House podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or at literateape.com. My son is coming in to get some art supplies. Well, there you go. We'll see if he makes anything that has societal value. So you asked, the question that you posed was, uh, which has more value, Fight Club film or, uh, Beauty, and the Beast. or Beauty and the Beast? Like, I mean, they're both entertaining, but they're both artfully made. They're both, there's a child in your room. Yeah, hello. Hello. So, He's talking on the phone to a he to is watercolors. Talking. Yeah, I would say that boy, that that very thing is the saddest thing. Hey, Katie. Hello. 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 You know that says that says something that 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 very much disturbs me. That your child is is your child's growing up in a world where phones are so pervasive that he's grabbing a random object yep. and putting it to his face and saying hello. He grabbed a little palette of uh, of watercolor paint watercolors and, and he's picked just, it up to his ear and hello. I mean that just says a lot of things. Well, it's hard for him because you know there are phones that we talk into and we go hello, and then there are remote TV remote controls that we talk into and say Sesame Street hello. So, you know, he's uh, he, he's an idiot. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just telling you, when your, son, when your son grows up and the zombie apocalypse comes, he's going to die instantly. It, probably. That's all I'm saying. He's just because he's too, he's too much of a flirt. That's, yeah. And he'll be like, hey, pretty zombie. And then they'll be like. All right. So, uh, but no, I, I think does one have more value than the other? Beating the Beast live action or Beating the Beast cartoon? Cartoon, yeah. Because the live action is shit, right? Yeah, it's crap. I mean, it, I we're really breaking it down here. We're really splitting hairs or getting into semantics. But how do you define value? Is it money? Well, which one made more money? Probably Beating yeah, the Beast, okay. right? So therefore, yeah. Beating the but Beast not, has I'm, more value. I'm talking about societal value. I'm not talking about financial value. I think. And then we have to look at e- each individual film and say, all right, well, how did it impact society? What is the legacy of it? How did it change society? How, you know, what was the influence of what it? What conversations were had? What thoughts were provoked? Right. What, what, you know, how, what, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to go so far to say what lives were changed, but, you know, like what, what did the, what did the film or the piece of art, you know, the painted art or the song what, how did it influence society in a larger way? And is that important? I think... 
I, I, I don't, again, I'm just trying to think about my collection of art, my books, my records, yeah. my, my, the paintings in my home. I mean, most of the paintings in my home are paintings my wife made. If I think, well, all but one. Yeah, all but one. And then the other, that, that one painting was a gift from another artist that he made it specifically for me. So do these, have these things, do they have an impact on the world? No, because they've never really seen the light. You know, they were made for Specifically the, for, for your us, home. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have incredible value to me. And they have incredible value to Katie. You know, um, See, I guess my, I guess my books, I mean, they're all so different. And, and I, like, I got, understand that you're getting insular, but the thing about it is I'm not talking about personal art. I'm talking about art that is shared. Like, all right. So now, masses, so it's not, so it's know. not just, it's not just fart. It has to be fart that's been shared with everybody. It's gotta, it's, it's gotta be art that is. So public farts. No. Art. Your joke's not funny. Okay. So, but I've got. So it's it has to be it has to be public fart fart that has been shared with with people. So it's not just fart for me. Like my my diary. You understand? You my understand journal. The more you do this, the more I I'm seeing you just devolve in age. Yeah. And at some point, you're just going to be like I'm gonna, I'm going to have to go, David, 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 wipe your nose, wipe well, so, your nose. <laughs> so, but what you're saying is that the, the the fart that I put in my diarrhea is not <laughs> is not actual. What? My diarrhea. Diarrhea. My diarrhea. Dear diarrhea, I had a tough day at school today. (laughs) I definitely know where you stand on this issue. (laughs) I just think that it's, there are so many different, I'm literally looking at a stack of books right now that I need to get through. I've got, Sylvia Plath, The Bell Jar in that stack. I've got 33 and a third about 24-Hour Revenge Therapy, Jawbreakers album. I've got The Art of War. I've got Tom Wolfe's The Right Stuff. I've got a Dave Barry book. Like, I'm all over the place. I think that each one of those books are very different from the other. Again, you're taking this very personally. I'm not talking about personal taste in art. I am talking about the societal... Value or advantage or disadvantage to art that is larger right. than your fucking book collection. Right, but my it fucking about, book collection is is you know, but that 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 is called from art that has been put out there. So what I am saying is stick to get get away from your book collection and your record collection. Okay, just just stick to Beauty and the Beast and fucking Fight Club. We already discussed that. No, we haven't. You've never. You're not giving me an answer. You've just said I don't know. Well, I said the beauty and the. If we're gonna look at value as, we have to define so, what the value is. Break it down. Financial. We're not the talking about value. financial. I don't give a shit about financial. Societal value. Um, I would say that Beauty and the Beast probably has more societal value than Fight so Club. Ha- so why? Because it is able to tap into a larger audience. Uh, it is able to influence that audience for much of the audience at an early age, which can make be more formative. That they'll hang on to that shit for. A whole lot longer. Like we remember the, you know, the things that affected us as kids. Like we'll hold on to those memories and like, oh, I remember beating the beast. Where uh-huh. few of us who watched Fight Club in our twenties go, 
Oh, I remember Fight Club. That was when things were good. It's just like, oh yeah, it's so, a great movie, and I like so watching it a words, lot. In other words, you place a higher value on popularity. No, hold on. On popularity. Not talking about me. You told me not to talk about me when I'm talking about talking my fart. About, you, were t- you said that Beauty and the Beast societally yeah. has a yeah. higher value than Fight Club as a piece of art because it was more popular and it and and it will be remembered by children and us as remembering our childhood rather than a film that that addresses some very complicated issues that has complex questions that have to be discussed so you're saying that you're okay with the value of art being just simply the infantilization of society i think beauty and the beast has some hard questions that we need to discuss. What as fucking well. hard questions does Beauty and the Beast have? have you ever had a conversation with anybody of any seriousness when you had a conversation about Beauty and the Beast? Don, I haven't, but I'd like to right now. You, all right, tell me what are your big issues with Beauty and the Beast? What are the why, heavy, why heavy is, questions? That why are posed is the by Beast? Why is that prince or that? Whatever the hell he is. Is he a prince? Whatever the hell he is. But he's got that castle. He's a rich guy. He's a rich white man. Yeah. What is it that gives... Why, why is he cursed? And turned because into a he, beast and everybody... Like, do you remember because why? He, because he turned away the witch. Right. Because he's, he was mean. He was angry. He was selfish. And so in turn, he was punished Wow, and that's okay. a complicated issue. So, well, because the question this is, is like the most broad is this what we like, do? Is this what we like, do to people I, that, that are mean? We just we just banish just, them, or do you, we try and teach them a lesson? Would you do me a favor? Get up, rehabilitation. And go grab, grab that watercolor set from your child, Hello? and just and just give him blue, yellow, and red. That's it. That's all he gets. Because apparently, you believe that the best art is in the most primary of colors. It's not what I said. It is what you said. No. Dude, the big what question primary, is... Have you seen Beauty and the Beast? What primary colors are in, dude, the, are in... Beauty and the Beast is a dark film. Yeah, it's a dark film, but basically... Angry, angry broke, white man turned broke, into a monster. You broke down... I know, but you broke down Beauty and the Beast by saying, here's the complicated issue. Why did he become the Beast? Because he was mean. That, no, you didn't let me finish. Fuck? That's as primary color but as you get. But, no, but the question is, is that how we should deal as a, as a society... With angry, with un, with uh, grumpy, mean people, we just banish them. We punish them. We don't like try and rehabilitate or educate or bring them into our fold. See, I think that that woman who cursed him, I think that was entrapment. I think she wanted to go and bring down a rich white man. So what so you're she saying? She tricked him. What you're saying is, of course, he was going to turn her away. He's a fucking asshole. In, okay, and I was saying societally, you're saying that your interpretation of a Disney film. Play, creates a higher value than Fight Club is what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, dude. Yeah, yeah. I think I. I guess in if, if what well, we have to define the values, the value that we're talking about here, the impact on society. I think that Beauty of the Beast had more impact on society than Fight Club has. Yeah. Now that's not saying that that Steve Martin has more value than Bill Hicks. No, that's exact. No, that's exactly what you're saying. No, that's not. No, because Steve Martin was far more popular than Bill Hicks ever was. 
Steve Martin sold more albums. He was viewed by more eyeballs. And let's talk about the goofy man-child. You just basically made the case that Gallagher is vastly superior than Dave Chappelle. You've just made the case that coloring in a coloring book has far more value than anything more complicated using oils. That's, no, that's insane. Coloring in a coloring book, it does not have more value than creating an original piece of art. Really? The Mona Lisa is far different than one of those fucking adult coloring books that stressed out mothers so, drawing. Okay, so, all right, using your example. Fill in the, so what you're saying, blanks, what, what you're saying is that a selfie of a woman who looks sort of like the Mona Lisa <laughs> has more value than the actual Mona Lisa. No, what? That's kind no. of what you how just did you said. Get, how did you land on that conclusion? Because you just said Beauty and the Beast has more societal value than Fight Club. I said Beauty and the Beast has more societal value than Fight Club based on the val- the kind of value, how we're defining value for those and, particular movies. And the movies. way you're defining I, value that is Beauty that and the it's Beast more is popular. not a selfie of a woman who so looks kind of like the Mona Lisa. That's so insane. No, you're basically saying that, that, that really the internet world of likes... The more likes you have, the more value you have, the more popular it is. That is not the same thing is. at all. No. That is exactly what you just said. That You're, is not what I said. The value you just placed on Beauty and the Beast is that more that people saw no. it. And more people, but not that it had any kind of meat or heft. I mean, for your that argument basically says that McDonald's is vastly superior to like some burger that was made at, uh, you know, no. like some... no. Not at all. Those That's are very, exactly very what different you just things. said. No, you are comparing the you're comparing and contrasting things that cannot be compared and contrasted in this discussion. Oh, I think so. I think I totally can. Six McDonald's. Things. The, no, six we, things. Oh, we're gonna have to continue this six, because six this things. is bullshit. All right. <laughs> all right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. Uh, this week I had a very busy week. Um, I did not take care of myself this week. So this week, my six, my three things for you to do um, are going to revolve around the theme of self-care. So the first thing that I encourage you to do this week is to take five minutes at some point this week and, and jerk off. Just make yourself come. Male, female, I don't care. Just sauce yourself up. Punch your clown. Pick your... Punch, punch your clown. All your right. man in the, punch your man in the boat or whatever. My first is a listen. It is a podcast called Disturbing the Peace, P-I-E-C-E, Disturbing the Peace podcast. Um, It's all about artwork and art's uh, impact on society. They have episodes on degenerate art from Germany, which uh, Hitler basically said anything that was Jewish was degenerate art. (laughs) They have uh, an article about, they have an episode called This Art Will Make You Sick. They have one on public art. Uh, Disturbing the Peace podcast. Okay. And it's all about fart. <laughs> Excuse me. So, and this Disturbing the Peace is all about fart. That's it. No, no, it's about art. That's what you I said. child. You fucking child. Uh, my next thing to do <laughs> this week uh, is to get some sleep. Yeah. When you're done jerking off, or twiddling your clitter. Take a nap. 
All right. Let's take a nap. I think that's good. I think that's good. My second is after your nap. Um, it is a read. It is online. It is uh, uh, the, the, the site is widewalls.ch. Wide, W-I-D-E, walls.ch. The article is Disturbing Art, the Ingenuity of the Disgusting. It's actually a really good uh, piece. It's got a lot of examples of art from like across the ages that really pushed that envelope of what good taste was and how it affected uh, sort of like the art world at the time. Okay. Um, my last thing to do this week is... Because it is Halloween and because of the topic, I guess, uh, yeah, let's just say take a moment to enjoy the disturbingness of Human Centipede 1 and 2. Watch them back to back. Collectively, it's like an hour and a half of your time. They're yeah, really yeah. short movies. Um, yeah, Human Centipede 1 and 2. Give All those right. a watch. Mine, mine is a watch. Um, it is on Netflix right now. Um, Dana wanted to watch it. It is called Climax. It's directed by Gaspar Noé. And it is basically, it's based on a true, like a true event where this French dance troupe uh, got their punch spiked with acid. <laughs> I mean, that's the story. <laughs> Whoops. But, but this is, uh, you know, at one point, I mean, he creates essentially an entire cast of just kind of despicable people, not even despicable, just sort of like not that interesting people. They're just, you know, so like the first half of the film is them just being these dancers that have rehearsed. It's a great dance routine. They're all incredibly dancers. They look great. And <clears throat> they're just being sort of like this communal group of artists, you know, they're hmm. catty in their own way and they're yeah. supportive in there and everybody wants to fuck one of them. And then, you know, there's all this kind of stuff. Hmm. And then all of a sudden the acid kicks in and it gets <laughs> fucking weird very quickly. Um, it's very disturbing. And the thing about it is um, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still, images from that movie are still in my head and I'm still wondering, I'm still thinking about it. And so it has lasted longer than, say, Three Amigos. What? But that's got Steve Miller in it. It does. So here's something else that we should have talked about. No, is, you can't continue the conversation because Breaking we're done. Bad. Breaking we Bad is did. not safe stuff. And that thing has value. And that's some fucked up dark shit. That's what... Now you're starting to come my direction in the conversation. I mean, and I would that's prefer, the show. I would prefer to watch Fight and that's Club. That's the show over over Beauty and the Beast. Over. The show's any day. over. The show's over. You, that's you just how I feel. About it. Like you, so, as just, far as Bart goes, it's just yay! Show's over. That's it. <laughs> You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>